Merry Christmas, everybody. I'm glad we get to share this moment here at Lake Point Church online. Thanks for tuning in. My, my name is Brian. I'm the lead pastor here at Lake Point, and I just want to share with you a few words, a few words that take it all the way back to the beginning and then back into everyday life for us right now. In the beginning, we're told there was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Everything that's made in our world was made because the Word spoke it into being. Nothing has a life without the Word giving us that life. And then in the middle of this very poetic description of where all things come from, we're told that the Word became flesh. And that is where the details all start tumbling into place, where as it once it was very just poetic about being the Word, uh, now we understand that the Word is the Son of God. And just like any son reflects the parentage from which they come, this son is going to reflect the glory of God who he's come from. The glory we couldn't look at directly, the glory we couldn't know spot on, we are now going to know because the word became human and took the name Jesus. And now because of all that, we get this great announcement from an angel to a virgin that says, girl, you're going to have yourself a baby. (laughs) She's got questions about this. She's got concerns about it. The fact of the matter is it almost broke up her engagement, this announcement from the angel. But even still, this curious young couple receives on faith the wonder of the Immaculate Conception and accepts that the words from an angel. And in obedience, they get themselves on a donkey and they go all the way to Bethlehem. And most of all, I think they're just amazed. Amazed that a prophecy some 700 years before from the prophet Isaiah is coming true right now and they are the ones who are in the middle of it. That when the virgin conceives and gives birth to a child, then everyone's going to have to say, God is with us. Then everyone's going to call him Emmanuel because that's what Emmanuel means. God is with us. That's what this birth is all about. And with that birth announcement out there, everyone starts to gather. It starts with the angels and they gather to give glory to God in the highest heavens. Then it turns into a gathering of shepherds who give glory to God down here on earth. It's, It's the gathering of magi who say, Here's the glory of kings. And then it becomes, heck, even the gathering of barn animals, as if to say, all creation will praise the Lord. Oh, come, let us adore him. He is Christ our Lord. And and you know, to this day, we gather at Christmas in ways that are unlike any other time of year. You realize that? We get together at 4th of July, but most of us are scattered on vacations. You get together on Memorial Weekend, but we can't choose between camping, barbecuing, or barbecuing while camping. Yeah, we do some gathering at Easter. That's, that's a huge holiday. That's important. But still, it's not like everyone travels and comes into town just because it's Easter. There's just something unique and one of a kind about the way that we still gather together at Christmas. Everyone gets together. Everyone shows up. And when they show up, The time that's unlike any other is when you get together at the table. That's how I see it. You might like gathering around your Christmas tree or around the twinkly lights. You might like gathering around presents. 
But, but for me, the gathering at the table at Christmas is just one of a kind. You know, over these next couple of days, I'm uh, gathered at my table is going to be my nieces. I got two nieces from out of town. These little girls will be ready to talk Uncle Brian's ear off and just tell stories of what school's like and what gymnastics and soccer is like and what their friends are like. And that conversation is going to happen right here at the table. Uh, Gathered at my table is going to be mom. Mom always makes Christmas what it is. She's making beef roulade in this year. She always just takes the effort, effort to make that Christmas dinner fancy and special and amazing and one of a kind. And, and it's gathering with her that makes it Christmas for me. Uh, also gathered at the table is going to be each of my three boys. Uh, uh, I, I got these boys in my life. And Christmas is my moment to just take that time stamp memory of just look at them for a second. And say, man, man, they're getting older. And my table's going to be my brother-in-law, and, and he's going to tell me about the stocks he wish he bought back when they were at such and such a price and how we should have followed his instincts. At, at my table, oh man, we, we almost got together this year with, with a, a bunch of cousins and aunts and uncles, but just yeah, some stuff with COVID just didn't make it possible. Uh, when I sit down for my Christmas, I'm, I'm going to think about the seat for Grandpa Bob. My, my grandpa passed away just last month. And this is going to be our first Christmas without him. I'm going to be sitting down next to my father at Christmas, and I am 100% sure the man is not going to remember what he bought me for Christmas or how much it cost him. But that's, that's just part of the fun, right? Just all these different characters and people that get together at Christmas. And I don't want to leave you with an overly cleaver picture of what my family get-togethers are like. I mean, the fact of the matter is we have our share of, of dysfunctions and, and backstories and pieces of bad communication. We have, we have hurt feelings and uh, we have things that we just flat out judge about each other. But you know what? None of that matters. Not a single bit of that negativity matters when you sit down at the table for Christmas, it just all gets pushed aside. And I bet you you could say the exact same thing about your table. If you went around to each of the chairs and you shared the backstory of who each was, if you acknowledged honestly there, there's some hurt feelings, there's some dysfunctions, there's some hard-to-love people at your table, there are messy and messed up people all over in this world and our, our family get-togethers are no, no exception to that. But still, it, it doesn't matter. It's, it's Christmas. You're, you're going to take a seat at the table and, and when you all do, everyone's going to be welcomed. Everyone's going to get welcomed because it's Christmas. We need a lot more of that right now bigger than Christmas, bigger than just our table get-togethers. You know, uh, Jesus had a bunch of messy and messed up people in his life as well. And he got them together at the table. Now, it's not a Christmas story, but I'm pretty sure everyone has seen this painting before. Have, have you not? Like, this, this is the table of Jesus' last supper and the 12 disciples that he gathered there. Amongst these 12 that you see in this picture, you have a seat for angry people and opportunistic people. 
That's the seat that James and John sat in. These guys were quick to use their temper, quick to raise their voice, quick to get aggressive, and opportunistic in the sense that it was about winning and losing in their world. But God gave a seat to the angry and the opportunistic. You also see here there's a, there's a seat for greedy people and betraying people. That was Matthew and that was Judas. Matthew was take, 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 take. And Judas was the one who, when he could not take enough, he betrayed by stabbing in the back. Were there other versions where people just turn their back? Jesus gave a seat at the, t- at the table to fighting people and to doubting people. This was people like Simon the Zealot, and this was people like Thomas, where when push came to shove, Simon got the one was the one who did the shoving, and Thomas was the doubter. Just nothing was ever good enough. Nothing ever came together the way he thought. We got big names at the table like Peter, no names at the table like Thaddeus. You, you, you have a, a table, a seat at the table probably for, for Mary, for Martha, and for the other Mary, Jesus' mother. A seat for people who are all head, all heart, and people who are all soul. But, and, and so you look around the table, and there is just this list of messy and messed up people who are there. There are hooligans, and there are hard-to-loves, and still... Just like Christmas, Jesus welcomed them to his table. But he welcomed them in a bigger way. That night, he said, this is my body, and it's broken for you. And this is my life, and it's poured out for you. And because I am the one at the middle of all of these things, that's why you get your welcome at the table. And that's why the hard-to-love person next to you gets welcomed as well. It's when Jesus gets in the middle. And I hope that's an encouragement to you. Because you've got some hooligans and hard-to-love people that are coming over for your Christmas as well. And hopefully that encourages you with any of those stories that match. Jesus welcomed those people as well. But here's where I want to go further. I want to introduce you to two more people. And not just to show you the seat of welcome that they've received, but I also want you to see from where these people sat how they turned around and welcomed Jesus to have a seat at their table as well. Two people I'm going to talk to you about, their names are Philip and Bartholomew. You got those two characters in your nativity set? (laughs) In in, in your manger uh, this Christmas? I'm guessing not, but after after this talk today, I, I hope you do, because these two have a great spot there. And by the way, Bartholomew also goes by the name of Nathaniel. At least that's our best guess from history. So let me tell you the story of these two people. And it's back in John chapter 1. It's just one day prior that Jesus has been teaching and doing miracles. He's called Peter and Andrew, James and John. And on this particular day after that, he's now going to call Philip. And so we read that finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. That's it. Just two words required. And Philip found Nathanael after that. And then he told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And, and, and so you see here, after he gets called, he turns around and, and tells Nathanael about, about this calling and about everything that Jesus is. And I just, I just love that. The seat that Philip sits in over here, this is the seat of the enthusiast. The one who, it didn't take much. He was all in right away quickly for Jesus. And a lot of you, 
You sit in the enthusiast seat in life, and, and you know that you do. All right? You're, you're the one who just got back from the best vacation. After you had previously been on the best vacation before that. Uh, you're, you're the one who's found the dream job to apply for. After the last dream job that, that you've been working. Uh, you're the one who, uh, who finds the best sale ever on Muskego Buy, Sell, and Trade. Uh, you're, you're the one who found the weight loss program where it doesn't even take any work to lose weight. You, my friend, are the early adopters of the world that make life so fun. For that reason, I'm sure you own Bitcoin. I know you're the ones buying the seasonal lattes the first day it comes out. And you probably bought the new iPhone, even though it's pretty much the same thing as the last iPhone. That's what you do as an enthusiast. Are, am I talking to anyone right now? Is, is that you? Or if that's someone you're sitting next to right now, give them a look and like, this pastor's talking about you right right now. And I don't even know at this point that, that Philip has even known and seen and heard of Jesus for more than a day. But he's diving all in and telling his buddy, man, this is the one who Moses talked about 1,400 years ago. And this is the one who was promised to David a thousand years ago. And this is the one who was prophesied by Isaiah 700 years ago. All this because I just ran into Jesus. And I'm so enthusiastic about it. I can't help but tell everyone, including my good friend. That's the seat that Phil sits in. But next to him, we have his buddy, Nathaniel, who says, Nazareth? How can anything ever good come from Nazareth? In other words, you got this whole pile of people that they have their own minds, they have their own stories, they have their own decisions, but we're going to say nothing ever good could come from there. Nathaniel's seat is the seat of the skeptic. Oh, if it's too good to be true, it probably is not true. And for some of you, this seat works, does it not? Like, even if you've been looking for it, and even if you've been wanting it, and even if your best friend gives you the best recommendation on it, it still, if it's too good to be true, it probably isn't true. And so for that reason, you order the same thing from the same restaurant every single time. And because you sit here, you don't trust any news source besides your one news source. And you're the one who does not try anything new until that new thing becomes something old. You are the late adopter. You are the question asker, the concern raiser. You are the one who's going to object. You're skeptical. And so is Nathaniel. But Phil's as good of a friend as he is an enthusiast. And so what he says to his buddy Nate is, come and see. Just come and see. Let's get a little closer. Let's learn a little bit more. And so we keep reading. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. In other words, Jesus is saying, Man, this guy, Nate, he's going to tell it like it is. Whatever he's thinking, whatever he's feeling, that's what we're going to hear. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under a fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And isn't that interesting? It didn't take much. 
didn't take much time. It didn't take much proof for this skeptic. He's like just saying, I just needed a little something from you, God, to deal with my skepticism. I just needed a little something from you so that I could feel you and know you and see you to be real as God in my life. I just needed something to know that this wasn't too good to be true. And so Jesus said, "You, you believe because I told you? I saw you under a fig tree. You will see greater things than that. And then he added, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. In other words, Nate, all you needed was a little something to get past your skepticism. And I appreciate that and I gave you something. But if that's all you needed, I'm telling you right now, you haven't seen even part of it yet. This ride's just going to get going. There are so many more things you're going to see. There are so many more things you're going to feel. You're going to experience more. You're going to experience the things of heaven meeting the things of earth. All that great stuff up there. You're going to find it in your everyday life down here because you now know the Son of Man, O Nathaniel. Oh, the places we will go. And maybe even in that moment as Jesus is saying it, maybe some of Nathaniel's skepticism is coming back. But with the words, come and see, Nathaniel saw. And I like it. Again, I, I, I like it. I, I like that Jesus gets a seat at the table for two very different people. I'm, I'm not going to tell you which one's right and which one's wrong. Because the fact of the matter is Jesus gave a seat to both. And he worked with both as they were. And both of them... They worked with him. And so maybe the question I really want to ask you is, which way do you lean? I think it's in our human nature that we're going to lean towards one seat or the other. Which seat do you lean towards? Are you leaning towards the seat of being the enthusiast for Jesus? Or are you more of a skeptic when it comes to Jesus? And and, and look at someone in the room right now, and if they don't know, then you tell them who they are, because... They, they do life this way. It's not just the Jesus thing. It's how they do everything. But you take this seat over here and you, and you bring it over to the things of God and maybe you are the one who it did not take much for you at all. You were all in for Jesus as quickly as, as you could be. And maybe that happened way back as a kid. You don't even remember the day or how it happened. You just knew you just always loved Jesus. Maybe it happened for you as, as a teenager on that last day of of Bible camp and everyone was around the the campfire and the songs and he came forward and said, I'm I'm choosing Jesus right now and I'm never looking back. Or or maybe uh, tons of you I know have done this as an adult and because you're like, how have I been missing this for so long when you finally did choose Jesus? You were all in for him and like you're making up for lost time. You're sitting there in the seat of an enthusiastic person like Phil. For you, it didn't take much. But for others of you, like Nate, it's going to take more. How much more? Well, that kind of depends, right? You're, you're skeptical about religion, period. Like, do people just believe just because they have to believe? Is religion just a crutch that, 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 that we need psychologically? And you're, you're skeptical about that. Maybe you're skeptical about the Bible. Like, if there is a God out there, you're telling me that all these crazy people over that period of time were able to put him down accurately into words. I'm not sure I can trust that. I'm skeptical. 
or maybe it's people today you're skeptical about. You don't, you're not sure that you can trust anyone to guide you to the things of God. You have had your share of wonky churches and untrustworthy Christians, and so you're just going to be skeptical. For Nate, it was going to take more when you're sitting over here than it did for Phil. And again, I'm, I'm not going to tell you one of these seats is wrong because Jesus worked with both. But if I had something to share with you that would balance this out a little bit, that whichever seat you are going to choose to sit in in response to Jesus and extending a welcome to him or not, if I had a way of explaining to you how to sit in this seat well, would you want to hear? I mean, the luxury you have is you can, you can skip to the end if you don't want to hear it or you can change the channel right now. But if you, if you want to listen in, I'm going to say it as concisely as I possible can, possibly can. Uh, some of you enthusiasts, you got into Jesus so quickly and so enthusiastically and then you got into chocolate the same way, <laughs> right? Or, or snowmobile rides or buying new pairs of shoes or, or your fantasy football league. The fact of the matter is you as an enthusiast, you attach your heart very quickly in a lot of different places. And I guess just what I'm asking is, if you keep spreading your heart here, 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 and all these other places, have you gone a mile wide and have you left it with Jesus an inch deep? Jesus is supposed to get our first. Jesus is supposed to get our, our best. He, he's supposed to be worth more to us than chocolate. And so what I recommend to you is a little bit of Luke 14. Luke 14, write it down, look, look that up on, on your own time. And, and in there, it talks about counting the cost of following Jesus. That to love Jesus with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength will in fact cost you your heart and your soul and your strength. There, there's this paradox to faith that Oftentimes, us pastors struggle to explain clearly and concisely. But everything that you have in God, in forgiveness and in freedom, is it, it's free. But then in receiving it, it also costs you everything. This faith in Jesus is absolutely free, but it costs you everything in, in the process. And so for you as an enthusiast, if you're sitting in this seat, my encouragement to you is just take a moment to think about, does my heart have the depth of connection with Jesus that it's supposed to have? Is he my first? Is he my best? Am I letting my faith in him cost me something from my heart that will well around you out? For the others of you sitting over here in, in, in Nathaniel's seat, um, you, you're, you're the skeptic. Uh, what, what I want to say to you is know what your end game is. Know what your end game is. At the end of the day, do you want to end up with answers? Or do you want to end up with questions? You, you know the difference? There, there's a way to do both. There's a way to sit here as a skeptic saying, if it's too good to be true, I got a lot of questions I got to get through to know that it's true. But the end game in your mind is wanting to have an answer, to want to learn something new, to want to discover, to want to grow, to use the questions to actually go somewhere. And there's another way to ask a question where you just want to end up with questions. Come up with more questions than anyone can find answers to. 
more objections than can ever be satisfied. To bog this thing down so much that you don't have to go anywhere, you don't have to do anything, you don't have to believe anything. And let me tell you, if if you just don't want to believe, you can say it. You don't have to justify it to anyone. Just know what's in your heart right now. Know what is in your end game behind all the questions. And yeah, what, Nate was kind of nasty to Phil when, when, when Phil was the enthusiast right there in front of them. But deep down, both Phil and Nate were looking for the same thing, hoping for the same thing, wanting the same thing. They just did it from very different seats. And if I could throw one more thing in, just because you start in the seat of the skeptic, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to leave the seat of the skeptic. Uh, out there in writing is something called the Gospel of Bartholomew. Remember Bartholomew and Nathaniel, same, same person, we're, we're, we're pretty sure. And uh, it's not in the Bible, but we do think he wrote it. And when he wrote it, he wrote it with a ton of questions about the resurrections to Jesus and his mother Mary. The man say it, a skeptic. But through his skepticism and through his, his questions, that's how he kept growing in Jesus. That's a beautiful thing. And so whether you are going to come at this as an enthusiast or, or as a skeptic, whether you're going to be the Philip or whether you're going to be the Nathaniel, whether you're going to go through this quickly and excitably or slowly and methodically, I hope in your own way, from your own seat this Christmas, you extend your welcome to Jesus. That after he has welcomed a person like you to have a seat at his table, you in turn say to him, Jesus, I welcome the gift of Christmas in you as well. I want to sit with you. I want to be at the table. Let's have this Christmas together. And let's make many more days like it. Thanks for being a part of Christmas here with Lake Point Church. We're wishing you our best to you, to yours, and your family. Merry Christmas.